Welcome to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast with Jennifer Arthurton. Listen in for real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Ship podcast. I am super excited to have with me today a fabulous woman who is, and I have a list here because she does so many things I didn't want to forget any of them, but um, this is Debbie or Deep for Deborah. Debbie? Deborah? Debbie. Debbie. Okay. So um, this is Debbie. um, And she is a uh, motorcycle mama, owns two businesses, travels way more than half of the year, is a power lifter, um, you know, a grandmother, um, and probably other things that I haven't even mentioned here at the age of 54. And I know, um, like, I, I believe you started one of your businesses after the age of 40. I did both of them. Both of them after the age of 40. So even more inspirational. And so I would love to chat more kind of about, um, you know, your story and how you got started and what's inspiring you to take on all these exciting things. And I also want to talk about the the motorcycle mama part. I have this like burning motorcycle mama in the back, (laughs) somewhere in the back of my mind where I'm like, I really want to ride a motorcycle. I really, really want to do it. So yes, (laughs) it's so awesome. I definitely recommend it. Talking about that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you and kind of all these amazing things that you do, how you got started and um, why. So I want to say that I've I've always been a little unusual and I'm going to change that in a minute because I don't think it should be unusual. I'm the oldest of three girls and I was back in the day, we called it a tomboy, right? I hate that terminology now, but that is what it was then. So I was the one who was always out working on cars. I was riding motorcycles even when I was younger. I was going fishing and doing all of that kind of stuff. Um, And I was competing against boys at that time in a whole variety of things. So while I don't like the term tomboy, I think that gave me uh, a sense from the very beginning that I could be whatever I wanted to be. And, and it didn't matter that I was a female, you know, I could still be strong and kick ass and all of that kind of stuff. So it kind of came from that. I had a really crappy uh, upbringing, long story. I won't get into all of that, but, but a lot of really bad, tough things that happened. So I ended up leaving home when I was 17 years old and went through a whole bunch of crap with that and became somewhat stereotypical for, for what had happened to me and that I was heading down that same path. So I got into a bad relationship and there was a lot of physical abuse. There was a lot of stuff that was going on with that. I put up with it for a long time. Um, and then eventually, you know, you just get tired of all of that. And so I left and, and started the healing process. So I've nice. always been, um, more or less able to take care of myself, even in the really shitty times. I mean, I did what I had to do to survive, just like so many people do. So long story short, I met a wonderful man. We got married. We've been married for over 25 years. You know, everything's amazing. Everything's turning out really well. I was working for the federal government as a human resources specialist, and I'd worked my way up to become the assistant chief of HR um, and doing very well. And it looked like I was going to get a promotion to chief within the next year or so. Um, and then my husband got an assignment. So he's in the military. We move every three years. We've been all over the world, but he got an assignment and, and I had the tough call to go, am I going to go with my husband or am I going to stay here where I have this great 
job opportunity. And he's very supportive of me. So he said, you know, do what you want to do. And if this career is important to you, you stay here. We'll just visit with each other. But I got thinking about it and said, you know what? I married this person because I said that I wanted to be with him. And now he's going to move across the country. We're going to visit. That's kind of weird. So I, I knew something would turn up. I had no idea what. I quit my job. And um, within 24 hours, I had talked to a friend of mine on email. She had retired. And I said, hey, how's retirement? She said, it's amazing. But actually, you know, I'm doing all of these other things. And I'm instructing and teaching. And we need somebody to help us out. Do you know anyone? Like, literally, within 24 hours of me having the faith to go, I'm done. This happened. Um, so I started teaching with her. That was human resources stuff, leadership stuff. Um, and that grew and developed. And eventually I said, you know what, I can do this on my own. And so I created my own company. Um, I did that when I was 41 years old. As you said, I spent a lot of time traveling. It was 221 days on the road last year, which was better than the year before because it was 231 the year before. Wow. It's been over 200 years for the last 14 that I've been running the business. Wow. And that, that's kind of transition to uh, Jennifer because, and I know you talk a lot about this too, right? We get to a point in our lives where we want to give back. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm definitely at that place. And so I've transitioned my company from just human resources to talking more about retirement. And I'm moving more towards talking specifically to women because we suck at taking care of ourselves from the, the retirement perspective. A lot of us, you know, we've let our partners take care of the money for a really long time. And, and as much as we want to think that 2019 has changed, it really hasn't changed that much. Some of us are getting more engaged in it, but there's still a lot of us. So I wanted, I want to pull out something just because I want sure. to close yeah. the numbers and I think it's super, super important. Um, so this is, um, Women are 27% more likely than men not to have any savings for retirement. Wow. More than 70% of nursing home residents are women. 40% of women age 65 or older are widows. So I'm pretty passionate about the fact that we need to reach women and let them know that instead of, or I don't like that, in addition to taking care of their families and taking care of their children, if they have them and taking care of all the other things that we do in our lives, we have to take care of ourselves too. Yes. And we don't. Yeah. That is so interesting because, um, you know, as, as nurturers, we, so often, not so often, we are always giving to others and are often are, we are last on our lists, always last on our lists. Um, and, you know, especially if you, um, especially you've got, you got married young and you relied on your husband, you know, your husband's job while you were having kids and doing all of that kind of stuff, it can be easy to just forget about that stuff, right? Or not prioritize it because there's always something else to do. And I, yeah, the stats are staggering. That's really, yeah. And I read a stat actually a little while ago about the percentage of women over 50 who live below the poverty line, which is, it was, it was staggering. I can't even remember what the number was, but it was like 42% or something, which I found really hard to believe, but I mean, maybe that that is absolutely true. You know, and, and just, I mean, people in general, if you look at America, 72% of people 
do not plan for retirement. And I run into them all the time and they kind of like act one day they're going to not work anymore and they're going to be retired. And it would be nice if it worked like that, but it doesn't. So that's where my passion is right now. And that's what I'm doing with my business. Right. Um, the, the second business I started, I'm going to say it's more of a hobby uh, and that's probably not uh, significant enough to indicate what it is, but I don't make money there. I don't, you know, and that's, that's helping women to work out and to uh, take care of themselves from the physical perspective, because both are important. I can't teach people to save for retirement and then their health is crappy when they retire because right. they just let themselves go. So right. I, a lot of people go, uh, personal training and financial training, it doesn't seem to go together, but I disagree. I think it absolutely goes together. Yeah. It's all part of self-care. It's all part of self-care and both of those th two things take a, a sense of discipline. Yes. Right? Like it's commitment and discipline on both sides of those, which again, when you're doing for everybody else, your, you know, your ability to have <laughs> energy left for yourself on both of those fronts is probably pretty low. Wow. That's interesting. It's an interesting pairing that I hadn't thought about before, but I hundred percent see the connection. That's amazing. Wow. Perfect. Wow. Yeah. Um, so just going back to, um, to the financial part and retirement, like what is the one, number one thing that you tell women, like specifically women, um, you know, who are maybe approaching, you know, who are in their forties or approaching their fifties about saving for retirement. Like if you haven't, maybe you haven't focused on it, like what is the one or two things that they should be doing now? Okay. So, um, one thing is it's never too late, but the closer you get to wanting to retire, of course, the more you have to step it up. So again, I can equate that back to the physical fitness thing. If I want to just, and, and I'm, weight has nothing to do with it, but I'm going to use it as an example. Okay. Right. If I want to lose 50 pounds and I'm going to something in two weeks and I want to lose 50 pounds by then, then I'm going to be living on, you know, two salads a day with just plain lettuce and <laughs> right. nothing else. And I'm still not going to reach right. my goal be miserable. Whereas if I start a year ahead of time or six months ahead of time, then I can take more reasonable little steps and get to where I want to go. It's the same thing with retirement planning, saving a little bit, but doing it consistently over time will get you to where you want to go. And the sooner you start, the easier it is because you can save a little bit versus having to really ramp it up at the end. So right. number one, I would say, make it a priority. And I know it can be hard. Listen, I, I started out as a single mom with two kids. I was on welfare. I, I brought in $400 a month. I was on food stamps. And I went from that to now being able to take my entire family, I've got two children, five grandchildren, on a vacation every other year and being able to go on dive vacations for myself and having a secure retirement. So I understand how hard it is. I really, really do. But my number one tip is start. To start with whatever you have, just save as much as you can. And if that's $5 this time, well, cool. Then maybe next year it goes up to $10 or maybe the year after that it goes up to $20. Right. The other thing that I think is so important, Jennifer, is talking about it. And here's the, here's the, the paradigm shift that I think we need to have. And again, especially as women, we talk to our friends about a lot of stuff, right? We talk to our friends about very personal things, um, about everything except money. And that's what I would, I would ask the listeners to go like, when was the last time you had a conversation with a friend of yours about money? We don't. Mm, right. We don't. And, 
And mm -hmm. again, I think it's especially like we were brought up that way, right? There were certain things you didn't talk about. You never talked about religion or politics or money. Well, religion and politics is now on the table. We can talk about that, but we still are very hesitant to talk about money. And I think there's a lot of shame around it. Um, there is a lot of emotion around it. If Especially if people aren't saving for retirement and they feel bad about it and go like, oh, I know I should be doing it, but I'm not. So we just, we don't talk about it. And that's right. unfortunate and it doesn't get better. Yeah, that's so interesting. The shame piece is interesting because I, I, I too, I feel like there's, um, there's a mentality that we have to be doing it all. Like, and especially I think it's true for women. It's like, you know, we've got to be the best of this, the best of that. And oh, by the way, you know, put in the workouts, make sure you have a, you know, a thriving career and, you know, save for retirement, do all of those things. And so it's easy to see how if you, for whatever reason, haven't been doing any one of those things to feel shame in that area. And, you know, if you have listened to any of Brene Brown's work, I mean, shame, shame cannot survive the light of day. So being able to have that conversation with somebody openly and honestly, um, you know, so important. So I applaud you for, for starting that conversation, um, you know, with your business and, and getting women started on that. Cause yeah, we, we need to, I think too, around finances, um, I feel like there is, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I feel like there's almost a sense of disempowerment that women have sometimes in that area, um, in that, like, they're relying on somebody else to do it, or they don't feel capable of do it, doing it, or I'll never earn enough money, or, um, you know, whatever it might be. Um, do, you, do you find that with, with women? Like, is it, is, is that something that you see? Me, and, and again, it's an area where I am and I'm comfortable, okay? Um, for me, it's because we don't know about it. And, and again, we as people, that's got nothing to do with gender. I didn't learn about personal finances when I was going to school. If you have parents that were doing that, maybe they gave you some tips. Maybe they didn't. I didn't learn about it in college. I mean, I, I went to college and I learned about business accounting and I learned about, you know, spreadsheets and all that stuff, but not for my personal everyday life. So we don't know about it. And, and of course it makes it uncomfortable then, right? It's the first time you go in the gym. You don't know what the equipment does, but you keep going and you watch people and you, you might have a trainer for a little while and then you learn how to use the stuff it's the same thing with money but we we've, we've got to get beyond that discomfort and I absolutely agree with what you said right we're disempowered with that it's scary we don't know yes. about it we don't even know how to begin and so we don't yeah that's yeah that's really unfortunate that's really unfortunate yeah and like, and like you said the, the stats are staggering um, and if we can you know you know empower <laughs> one more woman, you know, to not be in that place, to be able to have, to live, be able to live on her own without having to be dependent on somebody. Cause like you said, the, like how many, what percentage of women are widowed? Like women typically outlive men. Right. right? Correct. But it's so, it's so funny. I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day who uh, was meeting with their financial, she and her husband were meeting with their financial planner and the husband, or sorry, the financial planner was talking to the husband. He was directing all of the conversation to her husband. And yes. at one point she said she broke into the conversation and was like, um, hello, it's my money too, right? Yes. But yes. again, like that's, I think it's again, a societal bent, right? It's that the man true. takes care of the money and absolving the women of the responsibility. 
listen, I mean, I teach this stuff and the same thing happened to, to myself and my husband. We went to meet with a financial planner and everything's directed to my husband, everything. I'm the one who handles this stuff. Like I know about this and it's very frustrating, but that's generally the world of finance where it's been in the past. And again, I think that's yeah. changing. There are Things a lot more women coming in, yeah. but, but we've got to get over that. Yeah. Yeah. Over that mentality. For sure we do. For sure we do. And again, it's just about stepping up and empowering ourselves, getting a little bit uncomfortable, being willing to learn, being willing to ask questions. Yes. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. Super interesting. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your powerlifting uh, meet because that's another thing that I really want to do. Like I've been into um, working out and lifting weights for a while, um, but powerlifting is also on my list. So I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, why you decided to do that and how that was. <laughs> sure. Um, so, so I am a little bit uh, like I take whatever comes at me. Okay. I like love that trying new things. So I don't always have a plan. So I want to put that out there. And I'm not saying that's the best way because you know sometimes planning is good. But I'm also very spontaneous. So. Um, I have always worked out, um, even when I was a single mom, I spent my tax refund one year to buy myself a weight bench and I worked out at my house. So it's always been something that I did. But when I created my business and I was traveling hundreds of days a year, it took a back seat because I'm in the classroom all day long and I'm tired, you know, the story, right? And so I would go back to my hotel in the evening and I'm eating the free cookies that they pass out at the front desk. And I'm just like vegging in my room, checking email or doing that kind of stuff. But I wasn't working out. So I gained about 30 pounds and I just felt very sluggish. I just, uh, right. I just didn't feel good. So, um, we actually lived in Las Vegas at the time and I knew I needed to get this under control, but I had to have some kind of external motivation to get me going again. So I bought a group on to a one month boot camp, and I said, I'm just going to go. And after a month now I'll be good. I'll be on my own. Well, I met my three very best friends in that boot camp. Um, which is amazing too. And, and they're all over 50 as well. Um, so we, we went every day, not just to get the workout, but to also see each other. And right. if I wasn't on the road, didn't matter if I got two hours sleep, I was in the gym because I wanted to see my girlfriends. Right, right. Um, so, so one month turned into one year and then we left Vegas. I got a gym membership at a new city. We lived in Washington, DC. I kept going. And, and so that was just the kind of thing. I did figure competitions because um, oh, cool. with the boot camp, I got super excited. So starting at 48, I did my first figure competition. I did my last one when I was 50. Nice. And then it just, there's just a natural progression from there to go like, okay, I look good. Um, but, but I want to be strong and I want to really do something. Um, so I started working on a powerlifting program. I just bought one online and I started doing that by myself. And then we moved again and now we're in Nebraska. And my realtor bought me a membership to a local powerlifting gym, which was like the best housewarming nice. ever. Yes. And, and so I went to the gym and I met the owner of the gym and um, he was working out with me one day and I said, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want to try to do something, get stronger. And he said, we're going to have a powerlifting meet in October that was a year ago you should oh. sign up you should sign up and I said okay so I did no more no more difficult than that like that's I just jumped in there um 
I got an online trainer. She was amazing. She helped me. I went and did the meet. It was so phenomenal. I mean, I just felt so empowered and so amazing to be able to, and the community is, is very welcoming. And I just, I didn't know anybody when I went there except the owner of the gym and my husband. Um, but I felt like I was part of a group. Everybody right. really welcomed me. And, and that, that is the general way that powerlifting is. So that community, I just love it. Right. Yeah. Oh, how, so, yeah. So how, um, did, how was that like in terms of like, you know, uh, pushing you out of your comfort zone and like preparing for this meet and. Uh, well, again, I mean, because of my background and, and the way that I grew up in the thing, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in right. being uncomfortable. I've had to do that several times. So going there that morning, yes, I was very nervous and, oh, you don't know what to expect. You don't. Um, I got there and because I'm one of the first women that is going up there, do the weight class because we do weight classes right. with that. Um, then I had to get in there and get started right away warming up. But like I said, everybody was so welcoming that I, I started to feel better right away because I wasn't by myself because these other women had brought me in and we were helping each other out to get warmed up and to get ready to right. go. So the first time you go out there, the first thing you do is squat. It's my worst, um, or, or, or my least favorite, I would say, right at my least strong. So I didn't want to do that first, but doing it first, got it out of the way. Right. And after the first squat, okay, then you're good. And then the rest of the day, you know, goes okay. Right. So were there other women like in, over in their 50s doing this with you? or For that meet, I don't really remember because, hmm, I, I want to say there were, but I don't really remember. However, the last meet that I did was in this past September, 2018, and there was only one other woman that was over 50. And I know that because when I was back warming up, she came over to me and said, oh, you're the other master lifter and introduced herself. So we cheered for each other throughout oh, the day yeah. and supported each other. But yeah, there were only two of us. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not typically you, it's something you hear people taking up in their fifties for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I would say I agreed, but I've also, the, the wonderful thing about social media, you can find groups for everything. Right. And so I'm in a group on social media for older women and by older it's 40 plus women who are doing powerlifting. And some of these women are in their sixties, seventies. There's an, there's a woman in the group who's 82 years old and she's still love it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So good. Um, so I, I mean, I know you've talked about being like a pretty adventurous person and, um, you know, like stepping out of your comfort zone, like quite a bit over the years. Do you ever in all of any of these things that you've been doing, like have the fear and doubt monsters take over? And then how, if you do, how do you manage it? Oh, Jen, I'm always, I'm always scared. I'm always scared. <laughs> um, but I, and, and this, Years and years ago, again, at the single mom days, right? I wanted to be able to take care of my kids. And so at the time I started doing, um, I started doing a MMA kind of thing, just like learning self-defense right. kind of things. And the person that I was working with at the time was absolutely amazing. And he said to me, everybody has fear, but fear is false events appearing real. Yeah. Because how many times have you been scared about something and you, you build up this big thing in your head when 99% of the time, that's not what happens. So I've, I've lived on that premise for years and years and years. And when I'm scared, that's what I tell myself to go like false events appearing real. Most of the time, it's not what you think it's going to be. Do it. Yeah. Do it. I'm afraid of heights. I've gone bungee jumping. 
Okay. So I stand on the edge of that thing to go, it's okay. It's okay. Just do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm always scared. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's so interesting. Like fear is so paralyzing, but as soon as you look at it, like you create whatever process it is. And for you, like the false, what is it? False events appearing real. Um, like as soon as you see it for what it really is, it's so much easier to move. It doesn't mean it goes away, but it's so much easier to move past it. Um, otherwise it's like, it's, it, it appears so big in your brain that you can't get over it. So that's super interesting. And I think, you know, women are now starting to get, uh, be a little bit more adventurous. Like I read a stat somewhere that said women over 40 are, are more risk averse than ever before in the history of women, which is fantastic um, because we need more women to be stepping out and to be doing maybe things that are a little bit uncomfortable and pushing the envelope of what it means to be in your 50s right <laughs> right right I'll tell you that so I mean as if we talk about pet peeves okay one of my pet peeves is when people say you know you don't look like you're 54 you don't act like you're 54 mm. you're not the normal grandma no that's bullshit or at least it should be it yes. should be because we can be anything that we want when we're 20 30 40 80 years old exactly. we just have to decide that we're doing that right well I mean because it's all mindset right like it's how you think of yourself and if you think of yourself as powerless you will be powerless right but um you know and I talk about this in almost every podcast because it comes up I'm like you know the messaging that we get from from our culture is about it's not positive it's not uplifting it's not empowering and like it's easy to kind of take that on and say oh well when i'm 50 i'm supposed to be this or i'm supposed to be doing that or this is not appropriate or that's not appropriate i mean i i mean i call bs on all of it because right. age is simply a number Yes, it is. Right. It is simply a number. But you know, again, the society that we live in, and that's us, right? It's a collective of us. Yeah. We've done that for so long to go, right, you need to start slowing down. You need to take it easy. You need to sit in the chair. You need to like, don't do anything too strenuous. No, that's crap. I'm doing everything. Here's, here's what I want to live my life, like live my whole life. I don't want to act like, you know, I'm dead when I'm 55 years old and I need to start sitting around. Oh my but, God. Yeah. <laughs> This is an interesting thing to me too, Jen. And I know a lot of people don't take it this way, but, but I do. One of the things, even so simple, we say a lot of times, you know, X, okay, 50 years young, right? How many times have you heard that? 50 years young, 80 years young, and people mean it as a compliment. That irks me because <laughs> you're differently, <laughs> right? You're, yeah. you're, this is like baby talk. I, and, and I tell people all the time, like, look, no. I was 16 years old, 26 years old, 55 yes. years old. Right. It's okay to say that. Yes. I hate that. I know because we're all trying to skirt around this age thing. Like it's some horrible thing that we should be, you know, <laughs> trying to avoid. And I'm like, but it is what it is. We've right. been and you know what, instead of like, you know, trying to diminish the years by calling ourselves young, let's celebrate being old and everything that comes along with it. Okay. Yes. So yeah, a few more wrinkles, you know, a few more gray hairs, whatever, but I wouldn't trade that for anything. I mean, granted, no, maybe, but sorry for those of you listening, I just was kind of pulling in my face a bit, but no, in all seriousness, like everything that you've, that we've acquired over this time is a hundred million times more valuable than anything we've lost. And if we as a society can learn to see it that way, as opposed to being focusing on what we don't have, 
like that in itself is empowerment, right? Yes. And it's hard. And that's and it's even hard. myself. Um, I, I remember when I did my last figure competition, okay, it was on my 50th birthday. And I went to that show 100% by myself. My husband was deployed at the time. My girlfriends wanted to come and I told them not to. I said, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm just going to go in there. I'm just going to do this thing. We'll meet for lunch when I'm done. Like, I was 100% by myself. But for, for me, here's my plan. I was like, okay, prior to that, I had never mentioned my age anywhere. Social media, you would not find it. Like I put my year, I mean, my month and day, I didn't have my year. I never mentioned my age. I would post pictures of my grandchildren, but I would never say this is my grandchild. I would go like, oh, Hayden did this and Zoe did that. Right. But I right. never said. So, uh, so I was processing this in my head too, because yeah, I'm getting older. I don't care how old anybody else is, but for me, oh my gosh, 50, what? So I said, you know what? On my 50th birthday, I'm doing this thing. and then. I'm just going to have my coming out and I'm yeah. just going to tell everybody, guess what? I'm 50 years old. And I didn't do it. I did the competition. It was amazing. I did the photo shoot. It was amazing. I still didn't do it. It took me a week of processing in my head to go, just do it. Yeah. Nobody else cares. Of course, when you say, oh, and I'm 50, people go, wow, that's amazing. Good for you. But that's not what you think is going to happen in your no. head. I'm like, oh, yeah, it takes some processing. Yeah. You got to back that stuff. Yeah, because we spend so much time to trying to time trying to deny our age. I mean, I did that for the longest time. I would never tell people at work how old I am, and now right. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna shout that from the rooftops, <laughs> right? Right. Because like, like I am. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I am really proud of all of of everything that I've experienced: the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, the joys, the sorrows, all of it. Like, yes. not only did I survive all of that, like I thrived in all of that. Yes. Right? And it, I didn't always see it that way at the time. Don't get me wrong. Like I had my, you know, share of this sucks <laughs> along the way so many times. Right. But looking back on it, when I see the cumulative power of it um, and, and creating who I am like that to me, I'm like, that's super, super powerful. When I think of myself at age 30, I didn't know myself from <laughs> anything. I was trying to be who right. I thought the world wanted me to be. Right. 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 And now, right. you know, you get to be in your fifties and you're like, yep, this is it. <laughs> this is me. Well, and I know I've heard you talk about the, the whole confidence thing, right? Like mm -hmm. I struggled with self-confidence for a very, very long time. I still do sometimes, but I'm at a point in my life now where, okay, I, I know if I do this thing, I might fail, but all of a sudden I'm okay with that. I go like, you know what? It's not the end of the world. What if I do fail? Okay. Yeah. Then I'll do something else. Yeah, exactly. And I definitely didn't have that mindset when I was in my 20s or even in my 30s. No. You worry well, about what other people think and, you know, that stuff. And and now, and, and again, I, I don't know. We, we always say, I don't care what other people think of me. We do. We do. We do we're, we're pack animals. We need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I can definitely tell you, I care a whole lot less now yes. than I ever did before. Well, and, you know, before, you know, when I used to think about it, okay, what are people going to say? It was like, you know, I won't be able to survive the judgment. I won't be able to, you know, so, so I'll lose all my friends. And now I realize that, okay, even if, even if that did happen, that's okay. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Like I have that much more confidence in my ability to be able to survive it. Whereas before you just don't have that experience. Like I've survived way worse, right? So I can get through this too. Yes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and so you know, with your two businesses, I don't know, and five grandchildren and all the other hobbies that you have, like, how do you find time for all of that? Like, what is, do you have, 
what are your secrets to getting shit done basically? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so I, number one, I would say I do make myself a priority now. I do. Mm-hmm. And, and I never did before. And I would just work and work and work and work. And the thing is that work, whatever that is for you, will suck the life out of you if you let it. So now I'm much better at saying, no, I'm setting aside this time for me to go to the gym and I'm doing it. And, I, and I'm going to shut off my phone and I'm going to go. And I don't care who likes it and who doesn't. I don't care who's looking for me at the time. I'm doing that. So that's my number one. And right. then number two, like, right, my to-do list is a notebook. <laughs> like, right. All this stuff. And so I look at it every day and I prioritize. I mean, we've heard that for a long time, but really it does come down to that, to go, what's, what's the most important thing that I have to do today? And I'll get that done and then start just processing through there. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, and you've kind of alluded to this. I think you've set up a life that you love. Like all of the things on your list are things that mean something to you like that you have some level of passion for. So that I think just makes it easier than feeling like it's a have to do. It's like, and and now that you're prioritizing yourself and wanting to kind of be able to fulfill all those aspects of yourself, um, I think it becomes easier than like a to-do list of of chores. (laughs) It really, really does. Yeah. And that's my passion. I was talking to a girlfriend about this just yesterday. I love to help people. So, I mean, I am a priority, but then I love to help people. And in all the things I'm doing, whether that is helping people put together a financial plan or talking about retirement or helping people to feel comfortable going into the gym for the first time or whatever, all of that is helping people. And so, yes, I get energy from that. It makes me feel good. And it's not, quote, just another thing I got to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and I think that's the importance, too, of when when you find your authenticity, right? And then under, through that authenticity is finding the things that you love, like creating the life that you love. And I know I remember like, you know, at the beginning, like actually right around 49, 50, around my 50th birthday, I was like, you know what? I just want to wake up and be passionate about what I'm doing every day, no matter what that is. Like, I can't do this. I'm putting in the time thing anymore. Like it's, just not who I am. I can't do it. I have to be passionate. That's what drives me. Right. And then, you know, for, for a lot of women and myself included, it was kind of like, Oh my God, how do I, where do, how do I find this? Like, how do I find out? Like, I didn't even realize that because I had been so busy doing and giving to everything in my list of to do's, right. That I had no idea. So it was a bit of a process to, to figure out, okay, what is it that you really like? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. And who are you outside of all of these other roles that you've been in? Yes. For all these years? Yeah. Um, so if you, if you had a, to offer advice to a person who is trying to figure out, because I mean, you've managed to create a life of, of a passionate life. What would you, what advice would you give to somebody who is kind of seeking, okay, how do I find my passion and purpose? Well, there's a lot of internal work that has to be done in the beginning. And so for me, um, journaling helped if I would sit down in the morning and like set my intention. And and this um, is different than setting a goal, right? So my intention is what I'm going to do, what I can control, what I want to look back at the end of the day to go like, yes, you were in your line of value. Whereas a goal might be outside of myself. Um, Somebody else you know, for example, okay, one of the clients that I'm working with, she had set a goal that she wants her kids to eat healthy because she can't control her children. She can't, unless she's putting the food in their mouths, like they're going to eat whatever they want to eat, but she can set an intention to give them healthy food. Right. right? You see the difference. 
So, so I like to set my intention in the morning and just kind of like review to go, okay, this is, this is how I want to feel throughout the day. This is where my authenticity is going to be for this day. Yeah. And, and it, in getting started, you know, what, what advice would I give to people? You've got to really spend the time doing that. And it's difficult. And when you sit down to go, what am I passionate about? Sometimes nothing comes out, right? Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to kind of approach it from the perspective of like, no, what, how I started and how I, how I advise other people to start is to think about if you had one day all to yourself, anywhere in the world, you could do whatever yeah. you wanted. Money wasn't an issue, you know, whatever. How would you spend your day? And write it down. Yeah. And, and so then I write that whole day down from morning until night. And then I want to think about a day that I had in my life when I was just into it. Like time went by. It was amazing. I loved everything about it. Okay, what was that day like? Yeah. And by, by writing down things like this, then over time when I'm doing it consistently, I can kind of go, okay, I know that this always makes me feel alive. And this is yeah. something that I really like to do to try to figure out the things that you're passionate about. Yeah. That's the first step. Yeah, I think uh, that is so key. And a lot of what you what you mentioned are absolutely uh, non-negotiable practices of mine, like journaling, uh, making, you know, make, making yourself a priority, right? Like you have to give yourself the time and space to figure these things out. Like for me, um, <laughs> you know, I was sidelined by an illness that literally stopped me from moving. So I had nothing but quiet time to try and figure it out. But I mean, I don't recommend that as a path for anybody <laughs> at all. But, right, you know, right. creating creating the space for yourself, even if it's 15 minutes in the morning to journal, to dream, right? Like that's the other thing. We forget how to dream. Like we've right. forgotten how to dream, right? Like to think about those things that, you know, remember one time you had that dream, you know, a long time ago, and then it got totally pushed to the back, like bring that up, dust it off. Maybe it doesn't look exactly the same, but there's going to be some shreds of it that you're going to be like, oh, okay, this is interesting. But you have to commit the time and you have to make yourself a priority, even for the tiniest amount. And for us givers, that can be difficult, very yes. difficult. Yes. But, and this is, this is the kind of stuff that I talk about too with retirement to go, because a lot of times people go, you know, it's exciting. I'm going to retire, but it's also scary. You're going to mm -hmm. retire. Who are mm -hmm. you now? And what's mm -hmm. going to happen? You don't have that career anymore to fall back on as your personality. And so people will come and ask me about that. Like, you know, what? I said, what hobby did you have? Maybe when you were, you know, 20 or 30 years old that you have had to shelf because you've been working 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week and you just haven't had time for that. And just like you said, it might look different today. It might not be exactly as it was back then, but there was some reason that you were doing that. There's some yeah. kind of little spark of passion there. Let's build upon that. Yeah. And, you know, in, the, in my case, I mean, I didn't want to work a job until I retired and then figured out what I wanted to create a life that I never had to retire yeah. from. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's like, and that's was my whole point about it. I want to wake up passionate. I want to be passionate every day. I want to spring out of bed. Like, I don't want to, you know, because this happens to a lot of people. I think you work for 30, 40 years and then you retire and then you're like, now yes. what? What do yes. I do next? Right. And a lot of people get sick at that time. Yes. Right? Yes. You kind of lost purpose. People die at that time. Exactly. So, I mean, there's, I like to say that there are two kinds of people that I work with, like people that, that live to work, like their yeah. whole social grouping is at work, their whole being yeah. is at work. 
and there are people that work to live and those are the people that are working so they can get money so they can do all these other things that they want to do right yeah. um i agree with you you want to create a life that you're passionate about now that doesn't mean though some people will say you know if you love what you're doing you never need to take a vacation you don't ever that's mm -hmm. crap too yeah, that's crap even too. though i, I have agree. a lot of passion for what i'm doing it's still work so sometimes i have to put my nose to the grindstone and i have to get this thing done and i might not feel like for it sure. But so people need to remember that too, right? And sometimes we don't. Yeah, I mean, I read an article a little while ago. Actually, I think it was a documentary I saw that talked about, um, have you heard of the blue zones in the world? Yes. So, yeah, yes. so these places where um, people routinely live to be over 100. And um, they, so when they did the study on these places, they, there were three things that were um, in common. Um, and one of them was, uh, having purpose. So, you know, having something to wake up to every day, you know, that, that you had to do. The second one was movement. So moving, like getting some exercise. And the third one was community. And the, if you had those three aspects, so, you know, purpose, movement, and community, those are the things that you need to stay healthy that help you to live longer. And those are the things, if you think about the way that our society is, is built, it's like, um, you know, well, and community meaning family too. So it, so like you're still part of a thing. When you think about the way our society is, we work ourselves to death, right? We retire. We no longer have a purpose because we haven't given it a thought for like what we want to be doing for the last 30 years, right? And then when we get old, we stick old people in a retirement home away from their families and away from the community that they knew. And I'm like, that to me is a recipe for early death. Like, I, like, you know, like, so no purpose, no exercise <laughs> and, and exercise. We tend not to move as we get older. Right. So I'm totally with you just in terms of, you know, staying strong, which is the reason I get up and go to the gym every day. Right. Like, cause I want to be strong. I want to be under that bar when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> right. And I mean the barbell, not the bar. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Friday at the bar. Yeah, well, that too, but <laughs> maybe not as much time at that bar as the other bar. Um, but yeah, so it's it's just really, I think, um, finding your purpose, I think, is, is, is a super important thing. And I don't mean that as in purpose being this big, audacious thing. It's just like, what is the thing that makes you come alive? Like, what is the thing that gives you meaning in your life, right? Um, and I, I think we ignore that. We've been taught to ignore that for a long time in, the, in favor of doing and it's time to now like dust that off because like you're not going to be at your job forever. <laughs> so what are you going to do with your time after that? That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This has been super interesting. Um, I love the work that you're doing. Um, I would love to have you back on um, sometime to talk more, to go deeper on the finance piece because I think that is super important for all of us. Um, you know, to be making that a priority, especially when you look at the stats as to where women are at, like, I nearly fell off my chair when I read that about, you know, the number of women, the percentage of women over 50 living below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. That is awful. Yeah. So one last question I like to, to ask everybody, um, and I talk about this, and if you've been following me for any time, you, you've heard me say this before about your maven years being the time when you want to give back. Mm -hmm. What is the piece of advice or what is, the, what is it that you want to give back to the world in your, in your maven years? It can be advice. It could be what you would like to see change in the world. What legacy would you like to leave? Yeah, I would like if I 
And this, and, and I'm thinking now about, you know, the things that I want to pass on to my grandchildren. So I have four mm-hmm. grandsons, one granddaughter. And my granddaughter um, was staying at my house not too long ago and she found a medal from, from my powerlifting meet. And she said, what is this? And I told mm-hmm. her what it was. And so she put it on and she said, I want to grow up and be strong like you. Ooh. So the number one thing I would like to pass on is that strength. We can be strong mentally, emotionally, physically strong for our entire lives. And I would love it if people would realize that and, and realize that, you know, being 55 and riding a motor motorcycle, going scuba diving, do a power lifting or whatever your thing is, is not unusual or it doesn't have to be. It doesn't right. have to be. No. And, you know, thanks to people like you, um, it's, you know, and, and helping to support women, it's not going to be unusual. Like hopefully these conversations are changing the way women think, see, think about themselves and the way women see themselves, but also the way that other people see it. Because I feel like, you know, we are not we are not the middle-aged women of our grandmothers and mothers' times. We are very, very different. And I think the legacy that we're going to leave for the world will hopefully change the way the future generations think about midlife. And maybe they actually view it positively instead of negatively, right? Yes. Yeah, so yes, that's, that's part of my mission as well, too. So thank you, thank you. I do appreciate you um, taking the time. And if somebody wants to follow your fitness journey or any of your financial stuff or anything, is there a way to find you on social media or... Yeah, the fitness stuff stuff is family and fit, family Family and fit. Um, And that's, I just post pictures of my workouts and my journey and what I'm doing. And right now, um, what I'm working on is getting ready for the 100 mile wilderness trek on the Appalachian Trail. Uh, Myself and my sisters, so three women over the age of 45, going to go out there and hike 100 miles on the Appalachian Trail. We're doing that this summer. I'm super, super excited about it. So that journey is all on family and fit. My retirement stuff and financial planning stuff is at Pinnacle Personnel Services. Okay, cool. Like the awesome. top, the pinnacle. The yeah. pinnacle. Excellent. Yeah, like I said, I'd love to have you back on to talk more in depth about the finance stuff um, yeah, and your tips it. of advice. Um, again, super, super important. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Oh, thank and you so much. Thanks for listening to Old Chicks No Shit. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes or wherever you listen in.